0: Life works the way God intends when we put him first in every area of our lives. To help us live that life, God gave us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are principles to live by, principles that bring our relationship to God and each other closer together. They're a way to understand how God wants us to live. These commandments help us love God and love others. The first commandment says to put God first, and that means in everything. When we put him first, the pieces of our lives fall into place. And so God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, it's good to see you guys this weekend and i hope you are working really really hard on your minor project i believe that god is going to be gr- doing going to do incredible things through us i just want us to be faithful stewards i don't want us to be wicked i want us to do the right thing to be good in fact i was just back uh from orlando uh, where i was this week with uh, about five pastors an incredible gathering of pastors all over the world And i got to be honest with you, I was very proud of the staff here at Hope Community Church. Aaron and Sam were two of the worship leaders there. Don Smith, who runs our weekend programming, was overseeing the entire conference. Uh, Laura and I got to teach. A couple of the staff got to teach. But one of the evenings, I was able to get together with some pastors who are all over the U.S., and we were talking about the Minor Project, and there are churches now as far away as San Diego, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that want to be a part of the Minor Project because they want to see us starting churches, partnering with uh, with uh, uh, Compassion International all over the world, meeting and addressing the needs of children, making, every, making sure every one of them have their needs met, get to hear the Gospels, are being taken care of. And I'm excited about that because this is quickly becoming a movement. In fact, the pastor in San Diego said, we're going to take our 20% and give it out to other churches in the San Diego area so they can do the same thing. So I think it's exciting. And every once in a while, somebody says, hey, I t- can I take my minor of money and do something else with it? I'm like, no, it's not your money. It's our money. We gave it to you. You can do whatever you want to, but do it on your own dime. You know what I'm saying? It's great that you want to do those things, but we're focusing on starting churches with Compassion International all across the country, all across the world. Hey, listen, don't you wish you would have had a church like Hope Community Church to grow up in? As an adult, do you think it would have made a difference in your life? That's what we want to do as we continue to expand and build the kingdom of God. Let me just say one other thing. Coming up on Sunday night, March the 22nd, uh, we are having what we call a spring fling. Every year, Laura and I partner with Ray across the street here at Buck Jones Road at the Raleigh campus uh, to have a fundraiser. And every year, we pick a ministry, a mission partner, a charity. This year, we picked the Hope for Haiti Foundation. And as I shared a few weeks ago, uh, this foundation, which started Um, a few years ago, but the first mission trip was over 20 years ago, where we went to this rural area of Haiti. We now have three churches. We now have a school that has 521 students that's ranked as one of the highest-rated schools educationally. In the country of Haiti, we have two medical clinics that are run by Haitian nationals that see 5,000 people every year that would have nowhere else to go for medical treatment if we didn't have those, if we didn't have those things there. And so we want to raise funds and resources for them. So we're going to have our regular fundraiser at RAISE. We want to invite you to be there. Aaron Pelsu is going to be there uh, providing music. You know it's RAISE, so it's going to be great food. I'm sure we'll smoke some cigars. We got some great auction items. For example, we have a villa in Tuscany, Italy to auction off. We have a beach house in Surf City, an oceanfront condo in Port of Vallarta. How about this? Journey tickets. They're going to be here on August 16th with backstage passes. You're going to get to go backstage and meet Journey. Not only that, courtside seats at the Charlotte Hornet Games. In fact, Laura and I were able to go and I got a seat. That's us sitting in those seats. But let me show you where I set the second half right there on the end of the bench with the Celtics. Those are the seats that are available. You can bid on those things. Hotel overnight right there in the arena. You're going to have a blast. Also dinner for eight. Lots of great th- great things going on. Uh, if you go to the Hornets game, you get to hang out in the lounge, where if Michael Jordan's there, that's where he's going to be hanging out. So great things, a great way to raise money for a great cause. And we just absolutely have a blast. So that's March 22nd. Uh, you can go online. Uh, you can find and I on Facebook. You can do whatever you want to. You can go to the Hope for Haiti Foundation. Just Google that. You will be able to get tickets, and we hope to see you there. Now, this weekend, we're beginning a brand-new series. Uh, We're calling the Series 10, and this is a series that is based on the Ten Commandments. And when you think about the Ten Commandments, they really are God's top ten list. And I realize we got a lot of top ten lists in our culture. You know, I get up every morning, and I watch ES top 10 plays of the day? You know, FBI's got the the 10 most wanted, right? That's their top 10 list. Hey, did you know that even at the University of North Carolina, they have the top 10 list uh, 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 of graduated athletes? There's only three on the list, but anyway, the list is growing. I think they're going to maybe move in the right direction. But I want you to understand, God is actually the first one to come up with a top 10 list. It's called the 10 Commandments. And I'm excited about this series because according to a recent survey, we need this series. For example, only 60% of Americans surveyed knew that thou shalt not kill is a commandment. Less than 45% of Americans surveyed did not know that honor your father mother is a commandment that might explain a lot in our culture how about that only 47 percent of americans can name five of the ten commandments but i thought this was interesting only 47 percent know what half the commandments are but 76 percent of americans think that we should make sure they are displayed in public areas That's America at its best right there. We don't even know what they are, but we're good old Bible Americans and we should display them. They should be displayed, but you know what would be even better? If we actually knew the 10 commandments, right? So we're going to be talking about in this series, and I think there's a couple of things that I'm especially excited about. I'm excited because see, the Ten Commandments can really help us begin to understand the life that Jesus Christ wants us to live. It's the life that he talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10, it's that abundant life. And I say that because of something that Jesus said in Mark chapter 12. It's another classic example of the religious leaders cornering Jesus, always you know trying to put him in a situation where he couldn't get out of, embarrass him in front of his followers, ask him a question where he couldn't come up with the answer. And on this occasion, they asked Jesus, hey, Jesus Jesus, could you sum up the Old Testament? In other words, could you sum up the law? How would you like your friend at work tomorrow to ask you to sum up the Old Testament? How would you do with that? right? Jesus, he says, no problem. And this is what he says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Those are the first four commandments that we're gonna be looking at over the next few weeks. And then he says in verse 31, the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's Commandment 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. So Jesus says this is simple. Love God, love your neighbor. And we're going to learn what that actually looks like in this series. In fact, as you're going to see over the next few weeks, and maybe you've never thought about the Ten Commandments this way, the Ten Commandments is all about relationships. And that makes sense because God is a God of relationships. You see this principle all through the Bible. I mean, you go back to the book of Genesis, the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in a relationship. They didn't have to do anything to earn the right to be in the relationship. They didn't have to read the Bible, be baptized, you know, pray the sinner's prayer. They were created in a relationship with God, but they blew it, right? And so by the time you get to the book of Exodus, the Hebrew people, they're enslaved. And and, and you see that God then went in and he rescued them. He redeemed the children of Israel so that they could be in a relationship with him. In fact, even before they gave the Ten Commandments, God reminded the children of Israel, it's all about the relationship. That's why I redeemed you. I redeemed you for a relationship. Let me show it to you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God. And then he reminds the children of Israel who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. In other words, I am the one who redeemed you. And then he gave the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. But before God even gave the first commandment, he reminds them, I brought you back. I redeemed you from bondage. I redeemed you from slavery so that we could have a relationship with each other. Now, I understand, that's what God did for the nation of Israel, but that's also what God has done for each of us here this weekend who are Christians, who are believers, who have responded to the gospel. When we responded to the gospel, he redeemed us out of slavery. He redeemed us out of bondage. This is how Paul put it in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self, and that was our life before Jesus, was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should, look at this, we should no longer be slaves to sin. So I want you to understand, before Jesus, we were all slaves. Every one of us, before we responded to the gospel, we were all slaves of sin. Paul said we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God redeemed us out of slavery. He he redeemed us out of the bondage of our sin through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And so I don't want you just to see the Ten Commandments over the next few weeks as a list of rules. I want you to see the Ten Commandments as principles that allow us to have an incredible relationship with God. God. Now here's the thing you need to understand. You as a Christian get to determine what kind of relationship that's going to be. You as a Christian get to determine the depth of your relationship with God. Yes, he redeemed you. But you get to decide what that relationship is going to look like. Years ago, I had a young lady come to my office, and she had just accepted Christ. She had just responded uh, to the gospel. And I'm not going to lie to you, she had, more, she, had more, she had more baggage than Samsonite. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, at the time, she was living with the guy. And not only was she living with the guy, he was a drug dealer. And she's like, do I have to move out? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I have to stop doing this? Do I have to start doing this? And she's going down all of this list. And finally, I stopped her. And I said, listen... God has redeemed you through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's reconciled you back into a relationship with Him. You get to have a relationship with God, but you get to decide the level of which that relationship is going to be. You have to decide. And it's the same way when we come to these commandments. It's all about relationships. In fact, let me show you what happened. Immediately after God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says this. When the people saw the thunder and lightning, do you remember the old Ten Commandments movie? You can remember this scene. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpets and saw the mountains and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test. You could actually put the word help there. God has come to help you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. In other words, God wants to give you some principles that is going to help keep you out of the bondage of sin that you've been living in. But I want you to notice their response, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Now, what's going on in this scene? Well, Moses has made the decision that he wants to have a deeper relationship with God. And the people have made the decision that they also want to have a deeper relationship with God. But they want to have a deeper relationship with God through Moses. In other words, their attitude is, hey, Moses, you meet with God, and then you come back and tell us what he says. And to be honest, I read that and thought, that sounds like most Christians in most churches in America. Hey, Mike, listen, you meet with God during the week. You go up on the mountain, which would be my second floor office, right? (laughs) And you listen to God, and you hear what God has to say, and then we will show up on the weekend and you can tell us what he said. After all, that's what we pay you for, right? But did you notice in verse 19 why they didn't want to meet with God? Look what it says, verse 19. Do not have God speak to us or we will die. Now, let me just say that sounds like a bad thing, but that's not a bad thing, that's actually a good thing because you may remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the old self, who we are before we are made new creations in Christ, right? And we talked about the fact that if you don't become a Christian until you're 35, You've got 35 years of living under the control of the old self, your will, your goals, your desires, your actions, your attitude, your ambition. That was your life before Christ, but now God has new goals, new plans, new ambitions for you. Now for that to happen, the old self we talked about, it has to die. Paul talked about I am crucified with Christ. I die daily. But you need to understand this, the old self Our selfish ambitions, our selfish desires, our selfish goals and actions and attitudes. The old self always dies in the presence of God. But you got to understand, as Christians, that's what we actually want to happen. Because it's not until the old self actually dies, is put to death, that we can begin to experience the life that Jesus Christ has designed for us. I started doing something about seven months ago instead of just listening to Ozzy Osbourne and ACDC, Highway to Hell, all that great music when I work out. I started, I downloaded an app, and I I just listened to the Bible on audio. And it's not that I haven't read the Bible, in fact, I've listened to the Bible, but I just started, just put my earbuds in, and, and I just start listening to it. And often I have to stop it, back it up, listen to it again, because I will hear something that I've never heard in that context before. And I can, I can say almost every day I walk in the door after working out and I tell Laura, I said, man. And I tell her what I learned. And what I, what's going on is this. I'm realizing that there's, an old, there's a part of the old self in my life that still needs to die. Which tells me this. The more time you spend in the presence of God, the more we can put to death the old self. The more we can begin to live and experience the life that Jesus Christ died for us to live and experience? Let me show you a verse that goes right along with this thought. Psalm 103, verse seven, it says this. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. He, God, made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Let me say it another way. The children of Israel knew what God did, but Moses knew why God did it. In other words, uh, In other words, Moses understood the ways of God. He didn't just see the deeds of God. He didn't just see the acts of God. He understood the ways of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who actually knows and understands God's ways. Let me say it another way. I don't want to have a relationship with God just based on thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. See, that's the kind of relationship with God I grew up with probably till I was 25 or 25, 26 years old. My relationship with God is just stuff I'm not supposed to do to stay on God's good side. But as a result, because you can't live perfectly, you're going to mess up all the time, and you live this incredible life of guilt. Finally, I got to the place where I realized I want to have a relationship with God that's based on principles that allow me to go deeper in my relationship with God. Now, don't get me wrong. The Ten Commandments were given to us to obey. But even then, it's all about a relationship. And the relationship principle behind the first commandment is this, it's the principle of priority. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let me show you the first commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse three. You shall have no other god, no other gods before me. Now, I've been pastoring this crowd for 25 years and I know what you think. I know that often when I teach you God's word and it's something you don't really like, you're kind of looking for a loophole. You wouldn't believe some of the emails I get from some of you people trying to find a loophole. And even now when it says, you shall have no other gods before me, I know you guys, this is what some of you are thinking. Sounds to me like it's okay to have other gods. Sounds like it's okay for my money to be my god are my career to be my god. Are my kids or my hobby to be my god? Just as long as they're not first in line. Don't even send me the email. That's not what this is saying. By the way, to really understand this commandment, you have to this commandment. You have to you have to remind yourself that the children of Israel have just come out of Egypt where they were slaves for 430 years. Now understand Egypt, at this time in history, had more gods than any nation, any culture, any society, any civilization that had ever existed. They were polytheistic, which is a Greek word. Poly means many. Theist means God. So they had many gods. They believed in many gods. In fact, the Egyptians had, think about this, the Egyptians had 29 major gods, and they had over 2,000 lesser or minor gods. So understand what God is really saying here when he says, thou shalt have no other God before me. He's saying this, you shall have no other God, period. You say, well, Mike, how, how do you know that? Well, I know that and I say that because this Hebrew word that's translated before, you shall have no other God before me, it's in the Old Testament, this Hebrew word, it's in the Old Testament over a thousand times. It's only translated before a few times. Another of those translations of the very same word is besides. Think of it this way. You shall have no other gods besides me. Not in front of me, not behind me, not above me, not below me, not beside me. You shall have no other God besides me. There's another, in fact, most of the time, this Hebrew word is translated other. You shall have no God other than me. In fact, you can see an example of this, Isaiah 45, verse 5. It's the very same word. I am the Lord, and there is no other. That is the same Hebrew word that is translated before in Exodus chapter 3, verse 20. In other words, there is no other Lord, there is no other God, there is no God besides me. So God is giving us here the principle of our prior, of priority. And if we understand the principle of priority, not only does it enhance our relationship with God, let me show you how it enhances our relationships with one another. I remember a few years ago when I was pastoring in Southern California, I was in my early 30s, and I had been voted uh, president of a ministerium. And that just means there's a bunch of pastors, and it was over Southern California and Arizona. A ministerium is uh, very much like a mausoleum, okay? It's similar. It's where a bunch of pastors get together every month together to encourage one another together. It's about being together. And so my job was to encourage these guys and and build some community. And I'll be honest with you because I was so young and most of these pastors were older than me, but I had taken over a church. It was growing like crazy. I was like the shiniest new thing around. They thought I would be great at being the president of this group. And I gotta be honest with you, it did a lot of harm in my life because I wasn't wise enough, and I wasn't mature enough to handle it. But I remember one time I was speaking, and I was speaking, uh, we had gathered at a large church in North Long Beach, California. Uh, Dr. Peak was the pastor there. He's the same one when I had a crisis in my life when I went went to him. He's the one who put his hand on my shoulder and says, God, I pray that Mike will passionately pursue you. It was his church. This guy is almost like God himself from my perspective, right? So I had just finished with all these ministers, and this is what I had talked about. If you want to be successful in your ministry, you got to keep your priorities right. Now, you guys that have grown up in church, you know this. What's the first thing in your life? What should it be? God. See, some of you, some of you know this stuff, okay? You could be pastors. Second, what comes after God? Family, not work, family. And then what comes third? Your work. God says, work, do it well, sweat, nothing wrong with that. God, family work, and I went on and on, ranting and raving about these are important, these are priorities, and if you get them out of whack, your ministry's gonna be out of whack, and you set yourself up for disaster, da-da-da-da-da. So I just kind of let them have it, because I was 35, and I thought I knew everything. So when I'm finished, all these pastors, we hug each other goodbye, and they go back to their churches in Southern California, and Arizona. And Dr. Peak, since he was hosting this, he said, hey, Mike, you got a minute? I said, sure, come on back to my office. So I go back to his office. And he says, "Listen, I really appreciate what you're doing, what you did today, and I, I appreciate what you had to say." I said, "Well, thank you very much." He says, "However, it was wrong," and I argued with him because I was an arrogant punk who thought he knew everything. He says, "No, you're wrong." I said, "So you're telling me it's not God family work?" He says, "No, that's not that's not, that's not the way it works." I'm like. Is it God, work, family? He said, nope, that's not right either. And this is what he said, and i got to be honest with you. It wasn't long after this that Laura and I had a crisis in our relationship, which was my fault, not hers. It was because of my arrogance. It was because of my price, because I thought I knew everything. It's because I didn't have proper expectations in marriage. If I would have listened to this, what he told me, I would have probably avoided that. But this is what he said. He said, that's not right. He said, Laura is first. She's number one. Laura's number one. I said, she's good, but she's not God. Now I'm thinking there are times she thinks she's God, but she's not God. And this is what he said. He says, when you put Laura first, you're putting God first. He said, if you can't serve Laura, you can't serve God. I've never forgotten him telling me that. Unfortunately, I didn't apply it at the time. But this is what he was saying. He was saying, as a Christian, it's one thing to say that God is first. First. But it's another thing to live that God is first. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. See, that is the principle behind the first commandment. It's not what we say. It's not what we do. It's how we actually live out every area of our life. And I'm telling you, when you understand this principle, it will change your relationship with God and it will change your relationship with other people. Now, this principle of priority, it's all the way through the Bible. I'll give you an example. When the Jews were first moving in to conquer Canaan, to conquer the Promised Land, they came to the very first city that they had to conquer. Do you remember what the city was? It was the city of Jericho. Remember they had to walk around it a bunch of times and the walls fell down? They came to the city of Jericho. This is what God told them before they went into the city of Jericho. It says, when you defeat the city, he says, I want you to take all the silver, all, you, all the gold you find, and I want you to bring it from Jericho into the house of God. God didn't say that about any other city that they attacked in Jericho. Just Jericho. Why did God say it about Jericho? It's because Jericho was the first city. It was the principle of priority. Later on, he said this, the firstborn of all your flocks and all your herds belong to me. Why did God say that? It's the principle of priority. He didn't say, hey, listen, when your sheep has new lambs, you can wait till you have ten, and then you can pick out the run of the litter and give it to me. He didn't say that. He says, when your sheep has new lambs, you give me the first one before it even has the other nine. Give me the first one. When you have a harvest, he said, give me the first fruits." Don't pay all your bills and see if you have something left over. Give me the first fruits. In fact, this is why, if you're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, this is why God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. By the way, let me just say something here to put something in perspective. The story of Cain and Abel took place 2,500 years before the Ten Commandments. In other words, 2,500 years before God gave the law. It took place 2,500 years before God ever mentioned for the first time in the Bible this idea of tithing or giving 10% to him. And so a lot of people think, well, wait a minute, if that's the case, why did God accept Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering? If God hasn't even established tithing yet, why would he do that? Well, the answer is found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some. It doesn't say first. Some of the fruits of the soil is an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. I'm telling you, this is a principle that you'll find all the way through the Bible, and this is basically what God is saying. Life only works the way it's supposed to when you put me first in every area of your life. Let me say that again. Life only works the way you're supposed to when you put me first in every area of your life. It's not just about going around saying, oh, God is first in my life. He has the preeminent spot in my life. No, if God is really first in your life, think about this. It, handles, it, 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 it It's going to reflect how you handle your marriage. It's gonna reflect how you handle yourself as a single individual. It's gonna reflect how you handle your finances, your career, your parents. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna impact do you have time to actually serve other people? See. Life only works the way it's supposed to work when you put me first in every area of your life. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament and reiterates the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry saying What should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? For the pagans, those who don't even follow Jesus, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father, look at this, knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek what? First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, you know what that verse is saying? Jesus is saying this. My heavenly Father, God, knows that you've got to make plans for retirement. He knows that you're going to have kids that you have to send to college, that you're going to have to pay rent or mortgage. You're going to have to have insurance. You're going to have all kinds of responsibility. There are things that are going to take your time. He is aware of the culture we live in. But Jesus says, put God first in the area of your time, your treasure, your talents. And all of the rest of these things that you worry so much about, they're going to begin to fall into place. There's a cool story in 1 Kings 17. There's a famine in the land. So God speaks to his prophet Elijah. I'm going to do a series on Elijah this fall. But he speaks to his prophet Elijah and he says, listen, I want you to go to Zarephath. That was the name of the city. There's a widow there. She's going to take care of you. So he goes to Zarephath. He finds the the, the house where the widow lives. He asks her for a drink of water. She gives it to him. But then he asks her for something to eat, some bread. I want you to see her response in 1 Kings 17 verse 12. She said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I think this is one of the most pathetic scenes in the entire Bible. She says, we're going to make one last little pancake and then we're going to die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, make first a small loaf of bread for me. I'm thinking, how arrogant is this guy? How pompous and pretentious and insensitive is this guy who's supposed to be a prophet of God? Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make a little something, something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. That's called faith. And notice the result. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Never ran out. A few years ago, I was speaking on this principle of God first, and there was a single mom in our church, and I love getting emails. I usually get them on Monday. They're sometimes not so good, but sometimes they're good, and sometimes when they're good and I get them the day after the weekend, it's like, thank you, that inspired me, or thank you, I needed to hear that, or thank you, I was processing this. But the emails I really love are the emails I get that begin something like, a year ago, or 18 months ago, in fact, I just got one the other day that said, three years ago, you spoke on this. You know why? You know why those are important to me? It tells me that people are getting ready to tell me a story where they went home and applied what the Bible taught, and they're getting ready to tell me how God showed up. And it was a single mom, and she went home and she decided, I have another tithe, I've never given 10% back to God. But I'm not going to use the cop out just that I'm a single mom and that I'm just barely making ends meet. I'm going to put God to the test and I'm going to do it. And so she began. She began again. Within a couple of weeks, they came up to her at work and said, hey, we got another position that's open. It seems like your skill and your personality, it would be better for you. Are you interested in it? She took the job simply because she thought she would like the job more. No raise, no nothing. And she scraped together and she said in different ways, God showed up and she was able to continue to tithe and she was able, God still took care of her needs. But after several months, she got called into HR and they said, wow, we made a huge mistake. Because when you got transferred to that new position, that came with a significant salary increase. So your next check is going to reflect it literally thousands of dollars. But not only that, You have been doing such a great job in that new role. We're also going to give you a rather significant raise. Thank you. And I'm telling you, her fear of what am I gonna do when I put God first in my finances intersected with God's faithfulness, and it blew her mind. And God blessed her in a way she never saw coming. And I'm gonna tell you something, and I can tell you this based on fact and track record, When we obey this first commandment and when we live out this principle of priority, we get a front row seat for God to show up and do his thing. And when he does it, when he shows up, I'm telling you, it will take our relationship with him to a level that it's never been before. It just kind of goes through the roof. You know what it's like? I just thought about this sitting in my office yesterday. It's like that story with Abraham and Isaac. Remember... Abraham waited his whole life for this son. And then finally, almost at the the age of 100, he finally has a little boy. And then one day God says, okay, now I'm going to put you to the test. I want you to take that little boy that you love, that little boy that you've waited for, that little boy that you named Isaac, which means laughter, because that's how you responded when I told you you were going to have a son at your age. I want you to take him up on that mountain and sacrifice him. So, Abraham gets his stuff together and he gets Isaac, and they start walking up the hill. And about halfway up the mountain, Isaac says, Dad, we got the wood for the fire and we've got everything we need, but we don't have anything to sacrifice. And do you remember what Abraham said to Isaac? God will provide. God will provide. And I can only imagine that scene as Abraham got to the top of that hill and he built that altar. And when Isaac realized he was the sacrifice, And I can only imagine from a father's perspective what must have been going on in his heart and his chest. But he trusted God. And I can see Abraham, if he lifts that dagger, thinking, man, I'm going to plunge it through my son's heart. But having the faith, I believe that even if I have to do it, God's going to bring him back to life. But while he's holding that dagger over his head, he hears a rustling over in the thicket. And God says, stop, Abraham. And there was a ram. And Abraham took the ram and he sacrificed the ram. See, this is what happens when we trust God. We're like walking up the hill with Isaac just trying to be obedient. But often we don't realize that at the same time we're walking up that hill and trusting God that God has a ram walking up the other side. By the way, Abraham referred to that place as God will provide. Did you know that that was the very same hill on which Jesus Christ was crucified? Very same hill. God will provide. Let me tell you something. You have no idea how God wants to bless your family. You have no idea how God wants to bless your life. Your finances, your marriage, your children, your health. You have no idea. So you have to trust him first. And he'll provide, but I'll tell you this as I said last week, it's up to you to start the journey up the hill, trusting that he's got a ram coming up the other side. Ah, principle of priority. Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Speaking of priority, I hope you'll make this series a priority. It always blows my mind on a weekend where we lose an hour of sleep, how many people won't be at church tomorrow? You know why? Not a priority. If there was time change on Sunday night, I guarantee you they'd be at work on Monday on time. And their kids would be at the bus stop on Monday on time but they won't be here because it's not a priority. Or the battle of the blues, you know. You gotta ask yourself, is God really first in my life? Or is it just a cool Christian cliche thing to say? How you live it actually reflects it. Now next week we're gonna look at the second commandment and it talks about idols. And I thought as I was preparing for this one, this is one I don't have to worry about. Do you know what, of all of them, This one wrecked my world like never before. It's totally changed how I see my life and what I do and why sometimes I'm much more busy doing what God has called me to do than I am actually just being who God has called me to be. So I'll share that journey that God has taken me on next week, and I hope... I hope you'll make it a priority, I look forward to seeing you here. Father, you're an awesome God, and you're faithful, even when we're not, even when we're not, and you're trustworthy even when we don't trust, and for that, we say thank you. Father, blow our minds in this series. This is not just some list that we memorize, and every once in a while, try not to do them, This is a principle that not only can change our life with you, but can change the lives with the people that you put in our life. Change our relationships. Change us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of all the great things that God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download the Hope app to find out ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus.